what the best baseball movie in not what the best baseball movie the heated debate about the fact that major league is the best baseball movie and i don't i actually don't think number two is that close well what do you think number two is it bull durham i am and i'm i'm not a bull durham liker no i like bull durham what bugged me about bull durham is that nobody in that movie looked like they could play baseball Whereas in Major League, everyone in that movie looked like they could play baseball. And I would actually... Well, Costner, did, Costner looked like he could play. No, he didn't. He His, played it, didn't he play at Cal yeah, State played, Fullerton? Yeah, of course, yeah. I don't mean he's any good, but he played. Yeah. And, and he it, actually is a switch hitter, right? I don't know about that. Or so, so they say. Everyone yeah, in Hollywood. You know those Hollywood guys. <laughs> <laughs> didn't exactly have to stretch himself. I don't know. But I would actually... So I think a lot of people would say, would put the natural or field of dreams as they're one and two. Um, I submit to you, the jury, that both of those movies has some very boring parts to them. And Major League does not. No, I love Major League. I, I Not that you don't, yeah. I snuck in. It came out. It was R-rated, and it came out before I was old enough to see an R-rated movie. Mm-hmm. And my friend Danny Heinen and I skipped school one afternoon, drove all the way to Rockford. Cause he could drive and we were the only, so we bought tickets to see something else and just went into major league. And then something was wrong with the projector and it wouldn't start. And we're the only two in the theater. <laughs> and Danny's like, I'm going to go complain. I go, you do realize we're not in here. <laughs> oh, that's right. But then it started. So we were fine. Uh, um, yeah. So I would say second best baseball movie is, Major League Two, back to the minors. Major League Three, the Scott Bakula one. Yeah. There's a classic. Um, there is I, funny stuff in Two, but Two is not a terribly good movie. All, no. the, park, all the Parkman stuff is pretty good. Yes. Yeah. Two, two, wasn't, two wasn't bad. I, but I, so hear me out. I'm not saying that this is my favorite number two movie and i'm not going to say the sandlot because that's almost as cliche as saying the natural or or um field of dreams but i submit that the rookie is highly underrated oh yeah i like the baseball movie yes I do. um yeah there i cannot watch that scene where he tells his son that he made the majors without tearing up every time one of the things i love about the rookie is that it would have been very easy to have made the wife like the bad guy, yeah. the one who's like, I can't believe you're leaving me alone. With and the, she's know. so excited. Yeah. And she's actually, she at one point has to talk him into staying, to mm-hmm. keep doing it. And then there's a great line about, he tells her and he's like, well, there's somebody you have to tell. Yep. And then she that's, runs and gets the kid. That's exactly. And the kid is more interested in finding out what a devil ray is. Yep. Yep. It's like a fish. <laughs> it's like a fish. Yeah. Um, yes. I would say. The yeah. The thing is- I would say, I like field of dreams, but I would, it's not a movie I would ever go out of my way right. to see. Like I own it right. somewhere in this basement. I have it. If it's on, I will watch it. Exactly. I will not get out of the chair yep. to go find it so I can watch it. Exactly. Um, actually, the natural's a little like that, but I will watch if it's on. Okay. I will watch it because I like, cause I really do totally like agree. it. I very much like both of those movies, and frankly, Bull Durham as well. I will watch when it's on. Um, but and I don't. I just don't like. For me, I feel like Bull Durham and Major League were around the same time, around the same tone of how they treated baseball. And it was almost like you were a Nintendo kid or a Genesis kid or a Sega kid. And like, I was just a major league kid. Um, And I will submit, of course, the third best baseball movie of all time 
is the fan with Wesley Snipes <laughs> and Robert De Niro. Do you think if they made the fan two, Omar Epps would have had to have been in <laughs> it to be instead Wesley of Wesley? Was <laughs> <laughs> he not doing a sequel either? Um, well, it's it's funny though because one of the one of the problems with Major League is that Willie Mays Hayes can't do anything but run. I mean, Wesley is not Billy Hamilton. Yeah. So it's hard even to kind of fake that stuff. The most believable is when he does the check swing bunt. Yeah. Oops. And goes, oops, oh, and just shit. drops the bat and runs to first. That's like the most the most athletic thing he does. Although they did do a nice job when he robs the home run. Yeah. I don't know if they had to do that a thousand times, but that is pretty cool. Yeah. And there's a moment in that in the movie during the rally that is completely undersold. One of the no name guys, one of the you know, one of the other guys who's just robs the home run. Yes, and they don't make a big deal out of it at all. <laughs> it's like it's just, oh, that just happened. He's back, back to the wall. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I forget what his name like is. The greatest play in Indians history, and they're yeah. and Harry Doyle is up there. Like, well, it's two outs. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? They had um, uh, who's who does that? Zaidman. They had him actually replace yeah. Harry for that guy. There's a. It's up. <laughs> oh, there's two outs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, got another batter. It's like, oh, God. Yeah. But just think how much he would have cracked up in the second row of that broadcast team. He'd have just been constantly <laughs> in <insane. laughs> You wouldn't oh, have heard God. anything except for Zach. <laughs> there are he leads the league in most defensive categories, including, including nose, nose hair. hair. You'd hear Zach going into convulsions. There are so many quotables in Major League. And we, so that was the movie that we would watch. Like, if, if there was ever a gap between. Are, like if we had a half day and high school ended, but we didn't have a game till later in the day, we'd go to someone's house and we watch watch Major League. And I remember one time we had a late double header, so of course we had to watch it back to back two two times in a row. And uh, I, I forget if we had a half day of school or whatever, but um, yeah, Major League was my that was my jam as a child. Yes, it's a I concur. I mean, that's why when you offered this up as a topic, I'm like, well, we 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 could have first we could have done first take. I could have just pretended that it's not my favorite movie and it sucks, but I would have had to have pretended because it's one of my, it's like in my top five favorite movies. Uh, yeah. I, would, baseball I don't movie. think top five, but for sure it's definitely my, in my top five comedies. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I've, excluding all the art movies that I like. So much. <laughs> I mean, that's without, it goes without saying there's a lot of French, Noir cinema. Mm-hmm. That'd be the first twenty things on my list. They got chili dogs in France. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were uh, on the news last night. You made their hall of shame. <laughs> made their hall of shame. <laughs> uh, yeah, and in in and in her prime, Renee Russo. Yeah. Um, and in their prime, kind of everyone in that movie, including Lou Brown. I think my I think my favorite scene in the whole movie is when he just shows up at her apartment and you've got those, you've got the two other people. Oh, I didn't know we still had a team. Yeah. We got, yeah, we got uniforms and everything. I hear baseball players make a lot of money. Well, it depends on how good you are. 
Well, how good are you? I make the least minimum. <laughs> and also, I love <laughs> it that Lynn defends him in that scene. She's like, yeah. Jake was one of the best in the league until his arm fell off, essentially, or whatever. And what so was he, she? His knees went she out. Is, she was, she was an Olympic oh, swimmer. Yeah. They were going to have Olympic swimming right. athletes. 100-meter freestyle. Yeah. Weren't you a swimmer, Lynn? What, <laughs> yeah. what was your event? 100-meter freestyle. 100-meter freestyle. Uh, of course, her new boyfriend or fiance was a lawyer too. Oh, damn you, 80s stereotypes. Okay. Well, I'm glad we got that out of our systems and we yeah. all agree that Major League is the greatest. And Kyle, what was your favorite baseball movie? Because you've got a good one. I mean, I think the the one of the most impressive sports feats of my generation is uh, Scott Hattieberg becoming a featured <laughs> character in an actual movie. So uh, I guess to that end, we'd have to put Moneyball up there. And Wait, a non- Chris Pratt's kind of first feature film too. It had to be his first yeah. movie. Yeah, like was he in? Well, that's, was well, Parks and Rec on yet? Because that movie's yeah. older than you think. It is, but Parks and yeah. Rec is older than you think too. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, if I, I knew who he was, and I think I did. Uh, it would have been from that. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm almost positive I knew who he was before. And that. there's a, a there's a non coked up version of Ron Washington in the movie mm-hmm. too, with a great line. <laughs> Which is um, something like, well, move you to first base. It's not that hard, is it, Wash? It's incredibly hard. <laughs> uh. But um, so Michael Lewis has been doing the podcast rounds. We should get him on um, because he launched his own podcast. And so he's been doing interviews and he talks about Moneyball a lot and how many, it was the first. Was it before Blindside? It's nice that I didn't do it. Yeah, it came out before Blindside. Yeah, it yeah. was the first of anything he'd written that actually got made into a movie. But he had sold the rights to lots of stuff. And it was just the movie would just never get made. And um, Billy Bean called him and said, hey, they, uh, there's a studio wants to, they want to buy the rights to my likeness. And Michael Lewis is like, do it. They never <laughs> actually make these movies. You'll get a check every year just to reserve it. And he said every year for like three years, he'd get a call from Billy. It's like, this is the greatest thing ever. Until one day he's like, um, Brad Pitt was just in my house. <laughs> and he goes, um, what do you say? My, and I knew, I knew it was serious because my daughter's wearing a dress and my wife is wearing makeup. <laughs> that's, that's a good line. <clears throat> well, I feel like he should have known sooner than Brad Pitt just knocking on his door that, I don't know he how was probably going to play. Well, but Brad wasn't just he wasn't just the lead actor. He was like the producer. Yeah. He was the one who really wanted to make it. Yeah, then, true. Steven Soderbergh had written some weird script. You can find it online. And it was not going to be good. No, thank you. <laughs> and um then I forget the name of the guy who actually did make it. Um but you know, yeah. they come up with an actual coherent story out, out of a of season the, where the A's flopped in the playoffs. Yeah. But of course, I well, guess also, a twenty-game winning streak probably makes for a pretty good narrative. And also, essentially, out of a stats book, Moneyball is a good movie. I haven't seen it probably since it released, but um, but that that was a there was an economics book essentially, and like they made a, a good baseball movie out of it. What's essentially a textbook. But I would think Joe Morgan is still mad that Billy Bean got snubbed for best screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing that was just so ridiculous. The fact that Joe. A thought Billy Bean wrote the book. <laughs> <laughs> that B he 
constantly bitched about it on the air. And C, he admitted he never read it and would never read it. <laughs> but he talked about it all the time. Yeah. How is that a thing? <sighs> Kyle, thoughts? That's <laughs> oh, right. We're talking about your movie. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, gets say, Kyle just gets to say one one word, and then Dolan and I read for ten minutes about, off how much, about how ridiculous Moneyball is. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the the efficient approach to podcasting, I suppose. <laughs> Can I get a one word suggestion? Moneyball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dolan, give us our signposts. All right, I got four things to talk about in some order. I suppose we got to save the big one for last because I think we'll plow through these other three pretty fast. Uh, I've got some stats on Kyle Schwarber, leadoff man. That might surprise you. Um, want to talk about that wonderful toxic wasteland of a Cubs bullpen. Um, two guys in particular, but I've got a stat on Carl Jr. that is mind-boggling. And then I want to take a look at the home road splits for the soon-to-be newest Cub. Carlos Gonzalez. And then we will talk about foul balls and nets and little girls getting hit in the face and other horrible things. Okay. And more, more about Moneyball. <laughs> Kyle's got a good 20 minutes on Moneyball at the end. So you want to stick around for that. He's going to reenact the scene where they trade um, Carlos Pena. So that'll mm. be fun. I always forget that Carlos Pena was a cub. I just forget a lot of people were Cubs, but Carlos Pena is one of those. those were the he was there for the he was there for the glory years right <laughs> after right after Derek Lee left. It was good stuff. <laughs> okay, Schwarber is that what you said we're going to start yeah. with? All right. So in his last twenty eight games, Kyle's on base average is three seventy four. That's pretty good. That would make yeah. you think that that why that our favorite little perfectly square baseball player is a leadoff man. Um, I think he's more round than square, but he's kind of, he's got edges. He's got a, yeah. Right. Maybe it's just his hair. Makes me think yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. Uh, but here's an interesting fact about that. So if you take those 28 games and the first 14 of them, <coughs> right into the microphone right there, please. <laughs> you know, we have a dump button. You know, the, you know Patrick. At the top. There is a dump button. <laughs> I don't have a dump. You're like, I have an on just, button. Yeah. Just hover. Much your- left a, Hover your cursor over the screen and just mute your microphone like you're saying. And then when you unmute it. Just, th- just throw my headset across the basement. <laughs> All right. So in the uh, first 14 games, of which he was the leadoff man for zero of them, on base average, 429. Mm. Of the 14 games when he has been the leadoff hitter, 328. Mm. So this whole Kyle, this is a raving success. It is in that he's been better than anybody else they've put there. But it has not been great. However, here's another oddity. Uh, In those 14 games before he became the leadoff hitter, while he was getting on base at a rip-roaring pace, he was not hitting for any power. He slugged 375, actually lower than his on-base average. Since he's moved to the leadoff spot, 556. Hmm. So he basically hits like a cleanup hitter when you bat him first, and he hits like a leadoff man when you bat him sixth. Hmm. So there you go. So bat him third, and he'll do both. 
I would think so. It's a guy who hit thir- his third is doing nothing. No, bat him third and a half, actually. Because it's got to <laughs> yeah, add it to seven, divide by two. That's, That's three and a half, right? Cal, get your calculator up. Where's the slide <laughs> rule? Okay. All right. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> That's all I had. Thank you for just laying out those stats. The, uh, the, the leadoff, the leadoff position in the batting order, I think is probably one of Cubs Twitter's favorite stupid fixations. <laughs> we, we know there, there are plenty of those. Um, I've looked this up before, but I pulled it up off to the side here. I've always found this interesting. So 2016, when Dexter Fowler had the year of his life, the leadoff position in the Cubs order slashed 267, 381, 434 for 815 OPS, which is good. Yeah, for a leadoff. Then 20, 2017, 745 OPS, largely due to letting Schwarber waste away there for two months of the season. But last year, when everyone was constantly bitching about it, 302, 366, 454 <laughs> for an 819 OPS. So they basically replicated 2016 Dexter Fowler last year, and Twitter wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think all lineup slots are largely overrated. Other yeah. like I mean, obviously protection's important, but like get your best hitters a bunch of at bats. It seems to be the best way to win baseball games it, to me. And I, I, I do love how it took the sport of baseball 125 years to figure out that you should just put your best hitters yeah. first and second, uh, then, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, I, and I do get like, you want your, your power guys driving in runs and blah, 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 blah. But like it, after the first time through the lineup, none of it fucking matters anyhow. Right. Like it's not, it, it's all screwed up after the first time, after essentially everyone's first at bat, it's all screwed up. So you're sacrificing, you know, a, a, a quarter of their at bats or possibly losing a quarter of their at bats. Well, whatever. I don't know what exactly I'm trying to say there, but only a quarter of their bats does, does your lineup actually matter? Yeah. I would say the right. most, <clears throat> literally the most important thing about your leadoff hitter is that he will bat more than anybody else. Right. So batting Corey Patterson there <laughs> is a complete fucking waste of everybody's time. <laughs> so batting Schwarber there is is fine. If you don't have if you don't have somebody else, and if you don't want to go to the extreme, because I would think somebody's going to do this someday. Somebody's just going to take their they're just going to rank their hitters from one to nine. Right. And that's how they're going to bat them. Right. So they're going to say, all right, Chris Bryant, you're our best hitter. You're going to bat first. Right. That way you'll get the most at bats tonight. You know, your spot may come around a fifth time tonight and we want that. We don't want to waste that on somebody else. And I forget what the stat is. Why would I want to look this up before a podcast? But I think over the course of the year, every spot bats like 17 times more than the one behind it. Something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's not a huge difference between who bets first and second, who bets second and third. But eventually that really does add up by the end of the lineup. And so, you know, Batting anybody who sucks, who ought to be batting eighth or ninth <clears throat> first because they're fast, which is what teams yeah. used to do, that was a complete miscarriage because you're giving that guy a lot more at bats than he should be getting at the ass end of the lineup, just on the odd chance that he actually gets on base and maybe steals yeah. one. Yep. Um, and you, you, in your your uh, monologue there, you said uh, if you, so. If you don't have anyone better, and you also mentioned Corey Patterson. I bet he's available if you if the Cubs want to take a run at Corey Patterson. Um, by the way, also an outfielder. How's that for a segue, mother effer? That's good. So let's talk about Brad Brock. 
<laughs> okay, so the Cubs signed the great Carlos Gonzalez, the once great Carlos Gonzalez, to a minor league deal after he completely flamed out in Cleveland. Um, which that would have all we could have also segued to him from Major League. Yeah, very ah, damn, this, very is, this could have been a Carlos Gonzalez centered podcast. Still can be. There's time. So, as we know, there's there's a nice advantage to anybody who plays their home games in Denver because you get is weed is free. It, it's not free. It's <laughs> legal. <laughs> it's free too. Free. So I'm not working out. Yeah. Bye, guys. <laughs> well, Oleg came back, so we know it's not. Free. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so one of the things that we, that we know over time is that you no, know, every hitter ends up with an extreme home road split in Coors, even the best ones like Larry Walker during his best years, Mike Hampton, Andres Galarraga during his best years, um, Nolan Arenado Castilla, now, Vinny Castilla, Vinny Castilla Car- and Carlos Gonzalez, who's a re- who was a really good player at one point. Yeah. Very good. He was so good. I had to when I heard that the Cubs were signing him. I had to look up and make sure he was now bad. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, that did is have, a huge. Did you have to make I'm sure like, he wasn't oh. Carlos Gomez. Right, yeah, instead of Carlos, who's a Met now apparently. I was like, oh, oh, he is. He's super bad now. But like, even okay, I think the best example is Todd Helton, who is a borderline yeah. Hall of Famer. If yeah. he had put up his numbers anywhere but there, he's a, he would be a sure thing yeah, Hall of Famer for sure. We know over time that the advantage you get out of playing at Coors, it does depress your numbers on the road. You know, you gear your swing to hitting at you know a mile in the sky, and they their number their which their, is a total of two miles, by the way. Mile High Stadium. If you hit at a mile above Mile High Stadium, oh, that's not what a, I meant. I that's I why I couldn't do the math. A joke. And it's a good one. Thank you. We'll leave that one in. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we found out that even the best hitters, their road numbers would be suppressed a little bit because there's a difference. He, you know, there just is. So <laughs> this, I'm not explaining this very Wait, well. Are you explaining climate change right now? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad the government is not going to research it more than 20 years down the road <laughs> because really that's all we need to worry about. We're all we're all seventy two years old, and we don't have to care about what happens more than twenty years. Now. You guys, let's start a politics podcast. <laughs> We've been picked up by uh, John Favreau and the guys at, uh, Pod Save America. <clears throat> okay, so we, anyway, what I was I was getting you ready for the fact that even during his best seasons, Cargo had a, a kind of extreme home road split, even down to really good numbers. But his last two full seasons. It was pretty bad. Um, he has not had an OPS of over 100. You know, that's league average. OPS plus of over 100 right. since 2016. And his last two years, here were his home splits. 2017, his home numbers, 323 batting average, 403 on base, 520 slugging, 923 OPS. That's really good. Yeah. I mean, you would love it. You'd crap your pants. He'd that, be the, yeah, he'd be the second best hitter on the three. team. Yeah, it's a Hall of Famer. His home numbers yeah. last year, 315, 360, 581, 941. That's awesome. Here's his road numbers, and I believe that playing at Wrigley is going to be the equivalent of playing road games because I don't think Wrigley – it's like 300 feet in the air. <laughs> um, or above sea level, probably not in the air. So if you, hit it, if you hit it a mile high, that's a mile and 300, 300 feet, feet above sea level. Yep, 6,100 feet. 
<laughs> All right, road splits. I don't for the guy that comes. That's not actually bringing up. 5380, I think. 2017, 203 average, <laughs> 274 on base average, uh, 332 slugging for a 606 OPS. Road in 2018, 241, 302, 361, 663. And my favorite stat in a year so when he had. out. That's huh? good. He's evening out. That's good. He is. That's very evening out. Um, in 2017, he drove in. 42 runs at home, and in the same amount of games on the road, 15. So, so he's he's basically he's Mark Zagunas. Hmm. So I am of the age where everything in my body is falling apart. It's I'm so glad that I'm not on a national stage where everyone's watching my body fall apart, and and there's literally empirical evidence showing people how my body's falling apart. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> we feel, we feel good about that too. We don't want to, <laughs> we don't want to observe your decay. Kyle's still in his prime. He doesn't know what life is like anymore. That, yeah, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I'm he's just curious as to why as to why they signed him. Um, yeah. It does. It has to say we don't want to call Ian Happ up anytime yeah. soon, right? I mean, well, that's what well, Hoyer right? said something along those lines on on the score today. They basically making the point that they don't want to they don't want to call Happ up in a role where he's a bench piece that they just move back and forth which I kind of understand but at the same token it's you're, you're trying to win games here so if if he's your best option that you should probably yeah. go with your best option if you need a bench bat but what what do I know well I mean they got Jim Aducey for God's exactly, sake yeah, what more do you true. need you know I thought I when they called him up I was like wait a minute is that isn't that like a like a like a Ford dealer, like a Ducci Ford. <laughs> I, 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 I had never even heard of this dude. Well, I, I could see crane working out a sponsorship deal where the guy gets to play the outfield a few days a week. Yeah. That would not be, that would not shock me. They give fucking Ankin more screen time than they give to Baez, Richard Ankin or whatever the fuck his name is. The guy with a bunch of zeros in his phone number. Yeah. That's all I let's, know about him. Let's not give him any more. Well, I couldn't call yeah. it if I needed to, but I know it's got a bunch of zeros in it. Yeah. Ugh. Here's a Carlos Gonzalez. Uh, in his career, guess which position in the batting order is his highest OPS batting spot? One. Cubs leadoff problem solved. Oh, it's solved. Awesome. I'm also very good at reading cues when you guys ask these questions. <laughs> I know exactly what you want me to say. Maybe that's why I'm such a good improviser. Like, I know what you want me to say yeah. more than I want to say. We it. just lead you right into it and you <laughs> never, you never fail. I never fail. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've always liked, I always thought Cargo was cool. I was thought, hey, I'd like to have that guy in my team. But how surprised were you today to find out that he's only 33? Yeah. Then you see well, that's why I was, that's why I had to look it up. I'm like, is this is he still good? And then I little does Kelsey know when she tried to get me to throw out all of my pairs of cargo shorts, I stored one in the back of my closet and I busted them out and I walked around the house. 
I I unapologetically still wear cargo shorts. I might need, you never know when you need those pockets. But have you ever left the house with Barry knowing that you're leaving the house with cargo shorts? Because that is, she stopped stopped caring a long time ago. Yeah. It's like, I got to break Kelsey of that habit. I dress fine for work, but everything else, it's I'm a constant embarrassment. <laughs> you dress up for the podcast. I did. It's a fucking cold down here. I had to wear a sweatshirt. You know, first like really nice warm day of the year, and in the basement I need a sweatshirt or I freeze my ass off. I'm glad you mostly dress up for a, a completely audio because no one's watching us, let's be honest. Completely audio medium. Well, you never know. You never know who might see us. Might be okay. our big break. Hey, has anybody watched the uh, post-post game on uh, whatever no. it is now? Do you want to talk NBC about Sports? it? You didn't put it on I, the agenda, so we'll have to put it off till next week. I haven't seen it. Okay. And I'm saying you have to put it off to next week because I won't be here, so you guys can talk oh, about okay. it because I don't want to hear it. Yeah, no, no, no one has watched it. I have nothing against it. I, you know, it's, you know I, they actually wanted me to be on that. Um. I just, I don't know why anybody would watch it. And I didn't know why anybody was going to watch it if I was on. So I would have watched it if you, no, nah, I wouldn't have. I, nah, it's a, I mean, after it, the last thing you want to do after a cup game, I can't, I don't watch the post game. I don't, no, I mean, neither. I, I don't I watch, just, the, I've seen it during the game most of the time. Yeah. And I don't need to see it rehashed again, but that's fine. But that's what I'm saying that I won't go back to my rant about blogs, but like, what is Dave Kaplan? No, De Jesus, he knows things and he can't articulate right. them, but like, what do they know about the game that I don't know about the game? They just sit and watch it too. I'm sure Kaplan didn't make it any further in his, well, maybe he did. And in his baseball no, career than I did. I, I, <laughs> I have made it further. I do not believe that Dave Kaplan was a, was a big um, sports star at Hamlin <laughs> university. I really don't. <laughs> Is that after Harry Hamlin of L.A. Law fame? <laughs> they were the Pipers. Oh. Named after the Pied Piper, Piper, Piper of Hamlin. So they're oh, the Pipers. Because okay. I have a um, my brother-in-law's best friend also went to Hamlin. That's the only reason I know mm. what their nickname was. And I think he played baseball there. We should have, we should have him on. He's more of an expert than, than Cap. I have um, – I did watch a little bit. Correct. I mean, if it's on, eventually, I, I do see a little bit of the post game, and it's it's stunning to me that DeJesus is not getting any better. I mean, you just think from sheer reps, he would be getting better, and you can see it. There's like there's actual knowledge that's like, right. It's like locked. It's it's basically it's Anne Frank in the attic. <laughs> oh boy! It's just it, it's just it can't get out. Oh no, don't. And, <laughs> and it's gonna end. Hey up. hey. As a German, she could have left anytime she wanted to. I'm just kidding. I'm not that German. Should I tell my... It's the only Joan Rivers joke that I know. But I always sure. thought it was really funny. She said the most overrated author in history was Anne Frank. because she only wrote one book. And she didn't even finish it. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's that not my good, joke. That's a good joke. That's a good yeah. joke. <laughs> and I actually cleaned it up. Joan said horrible things about Anne in the middle of that joke. Yeah, I'm sure. All right, so I think we flogged cargo and the Holocaust. <laughs> and the Holocaust. We got a good Holocaust reference. It's never 
it's never too late to make Holocaust jokes. You guys don't do don't do another Holocaust if you're out there. No suicides and no Holocaust, right. please. <laughs> we tackle the hard hitting social issue <laughs> here on the podcast. Okay. You want to talk right. bullpen? Yeah, I want to talk. Speaking um, of the Holocaust, let's talk about the bullpen. Right. <laughs> These segues. I want to just do segues next time I'm on. <laughs> can I just can I just be listening for the segues? Yeah. And we'll I'll let, just only we'll let Kyle talk and you can just <laughs> Impossible. That's what we'll do next time. So this is not I'm not making this up. The other night, say because I'm because I'm wealthy. <laughs> I have two TVs down here. Two. Nice. I can watch two things at once. So I had the Cub game on the second TV, and on the big TV, I'm watching Chernobyl, which is amazing horribly depressing but is that just, amazon prime no it's hbo oh okay um but it's just amazing i, I hadn't i recorded them all but i hadn't watched any so i blew through four on memorial day i believe was when i was watching it seemed like a good day to watch to watch a happy go lucky chernobyl thing well so it made for some very timely bullpen jokes <laughs> about the same time because so as Chernobyl, i'm not this is not a spoiler because this is an actual real life event people live through this you don't get to say you spoiled chernobyl for me <laughs> i got news for you the power plant it blows up <laughs> um so chernobyl has exploded and the russians are like holy shit you know what do we do and they're going through all the dire things about how well if it if we have a complete meltdown and it explodes the way that it it could it'll kill 50 million people that's how big the mushroom cloud's going to kill 50 million people. So the, they have to find a way to put the fire out. And it's not a normal fire because it's a nuclear power plant. And they come up with the they idea they, they, they have to drop, drop 5,000 tons of sand and boron on the fire. This is just about the time Brad Brock <laughs> is in the game. <laughs> giving up the two-run homer to lose the game, in which I said, how many tons of boron and sand is it going to take to put out the fire in the cup bullpen, which that was pretty good. So I wanted to give an update, because this is my most intriguing thing about Brad Brock, who's never had a walk problem before, but has a definite one this year. Um, see if you think these are good numbers for a, a late-inning reliever. In 22 and two-thirds innings, Brad has given up 20 hits <laughs> and has walked... 21 batters. Oh Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's exactly right. Maybe his lucky number is two, and he's trying to get twos across the board. Um, before we move on from Chernobyl, I have to soapbox about this topic a little bit in case anyone's important is actually listening. I truly hope, because I, I hope that they're not painting the Chernobyl disaster as like, hey, nuclear power is bad, because like, it still is arguably the best source of power that we have. And Chernobyl was a perfect storm, at, my, at least my readings of what happened in Chernobyl, of completely ridiculous bad events that happened. So I hope they're not trying to demonize nuclear power. Uh, they're not. Okay, good. That's um, all I needed to know. I just the, wanted to get soapbox a little bit. Sorry. Another spoiler. One of the things you learn is that the Russians knew that see the whole thing happened during ironically during a safety test right and during the safety test they had to shut down like the generator that ran the power plant to prove they could do it and then turn it back on and right. they apparently knew that when they turned the generator off or whatever i'm, I'm oversimplifying call it a generator but right. whatever it was what they knew that when they turned it off when it was still it had the 
propensity to basically start itself and spike. And they were worried, like, oh, my God, if this happens at just the wrong time, it might cause the whole thing to blow up. So they were doing a safety test, and they went through the proper protocols. And when the guy hit the button, one guy, some poor Russian guy, yeah. hit the button, it blew up. Yeah. So basically, okay. and the reason that they wouldn't admit it was because this was the height of the Soviet Union when they didn't want to admit to the, even that to themselves, much less to the world, right. that their nuclear technology wasn't the greatest in the world. So they just, it was, it was literally classified a Russian state secret. Yep. And so they, because of that, they wouldn't address it. Okay. And they good. almost, they almost wiped out the entire Eastern hemisphere. I just want to make sure because, like, there's a lot of a lot of people don't understand a lot of things about about this planet and how it works. So, I just want any of our Swedish listeners to know that nuclear power is a lot safer than than if you were obsessed with pointing toward. I'm just saying pointing toward Chernobyl as an example of why nuclear power doesn't work is a little bit disingenuous, since almost all the time it does work and works efficiently and works well. I mean, there's only one left, but so far I'm disappointed. Yeah. There, there is not a, there has not been a scene yet in this thing where um, Cher has gotten an emergency shower. That has not happened. Maybe that only happens in Silkwood. Wait, Cher is in it? Yeah, Cher and, um, and yeah, what's her name? Like? Lady who wins all the Oscars. Meryl Streep. Mamma Mia. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I know her from, Mamma Mia. Has she been in anything else? <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah, they're in Silkwood. I don't even remember Silkwood other than Cher was naked in it. And I was a kid, and that was great. I don't know that I necessarily want to see Cher naked even when I was a kid. I mean, I guess anyone naked yes. when we were a kid was a good it, Well, not anyone. Well, there's a lot of nudity. There's actually a lot of nudity in Chernobyl, and it's not good nudity. Oh, no. It's the it's opposite like of good nudity. Falling off as not, to bring it back, not to bring it back to the Holocaust, but the only worst nude scene yeah. ever Ooh. is the, the one in Schindler's List. Ooh, That's okay. the only nude scene worse than the one we got the other night. What about Kathy Bates in About Schmidt? <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay. Kyle, what's your worst nude scene? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, I'll nominate uh, Steve Stone. <laughs> oh, that's not bad. <laughs> that was solid. Kyle bringing us back to the Cubs. Thanks, Kyle. I got one of my <laughs> one of my two Twitter bands was <laughs> was because of the Steve Stone Playgirl shoot. Um, and so it wasn't even what you think. It wasn't like I posted the picture of him and they banned me because you can't see anything. I posted it. Apparently, a porn site retweeted me <laughs> and so i and they made they made a comment i made a funny joke to to in a reply and i got banned for because basically you know because they were a spammer and i was you know cavorting with spammer <laughs> so i got suspended for two days and then i appealed and they let me back and then the other time I got Twitter banned was when I did the uh, – <laughs> I kept trying to convince the Cubs to let me do – they were letting people do Twitter takeovers, and I thought I'd be the perfect guy to do a Twitter takeover. Why wouldn't you let me? And um, so finally I said, screw it. I'll just do my own. And so I changed <laughs> changed my, my, uh, my profile picture to the Cub one. I left, obviously, the Dissipio.com handle, but I changed the words to Chicago Cubs official <laughs> and started tweeting things. And um, – reputable media types were retweeting me because they thought I was the Cubs. I was saying, I, I was fine. Like I announced, um, 
announced they were going to bring Keith Moreland back, I think, to, to be a color announcer because they didn't have one at the time. I announced a bunch of stuff. Um, but when I announced that a certain day was um, going to be the first ever um, sexual predator day, when it was a good chance finally for these people who are not allowed within 500 yards of a school to finally all see a baseball game together, that got me Twitter banned. Ah, uh, all right. We got that our, one. That one lasted. Minutes, a, that one lasted a week. We got our five minutes of talking about Andy's Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. There you go, you loyal fans that really like hearing about Andy's Twitter feed. They'd love it. All right. So I have another bullpen stat that may amuse. It doesn't amuse me. All right. So I got into this a little bit in my column on the Athletic on Monday. There, I get all my. No one read there. it. Kyle read it. Kyle? Pretend you read it, it, Kyle. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> I talked about Joe's uh, unneeded contribution to the baseball lexicon, the dirty inning. <laughs> it's like, I just I don't like the sound of it. The whole idea that you can't bring a reliever in, some relievers in with men on base. It's like, well, that kind of seems like the job. Wasn't that LaTroy Hawkins' problem? Yeah, every every That and the horrible racism. LaTroy was only bad if you brought him in with runners on base. Or runners um, on base. With a lead, or if it was tied, <laughs> or if the Cubs were behind. Other than that, <laughs> LaTroy was great. Uh, so Carl Edwards, the last three times he's come into games with a runner at third base. This is amazing to me. For the one was last year, and he's then holding up his fingers. Yes. He held up three, now he's holding up one. That's how I count. <laughs> I well, just it. make sure you don't get banned from Wrigley over here. <laughs> That's true. Kyle and and I, I did hold up a three, but thankfully I didn't, you know. <laughs> right. <sighs> okay, the last three times Carl came in with a runner at third base. One was last year, and it was the infamous time when he forgot. He didn't know there was a runner at third base. His first pit, he doesn't think there's anybody on base. His first pitch, he throws the backstop. Wilson goes and chases the ball. Runner scores from third. Carl never gets off the mound. And looks over and goes, oh, shit, there was a runner at third. It seems like something a relief pitcher might need to know. This year, well, he's coming. they move the bullpens off the field? How the fuck is he supposed to know right. what the situation is? So this year, it's happened twice. The f- it happened once in Washington a couple of weeks ago, and then it happened again the other night. The game in Washington... He balked in the runner immediately. Didn't even throw a pitch. Balk, runner scores. There was also a runner at second who advanced to third. Carl's first pitch, wild pitch. <laughs> but Wilson flags it down. Carl actually tagged. No, I guess Carl got it. It was such a wild pitch. It bounced off Wilson. Carl picked it up, tagged the runner out. Cubs get out of the jam. Way to go, Carl. Mm-hmm. I mean, out of the jam, meaning he allowed one of. Yes, he allowed one of the. The Cubs left with the lead and ended up winning. Yeah. Um, so the second time this year <laughs> that he came in with a runner at third base, first pitch, wild pitch, runner scored. So I'm thinking, just spitballing here, maybe don't bring Carl in with a runner at third base, or maybe ever. But what happened the time four times ago is what I want to know. You're you're very you're very cherry picking. That's true. I um I should go back and research that and see if yeah. it's probably it was another balk yeah. or he well, threw the ball into the stands. I mean, it's one of two possible outcomes. It sounds yeah. like he was either a wild pitcher. Or he gave up a home run. I would think yeah. so. That's tough times for the Cub bullpen right now. It is. I, uh, I, there's a good analogy on Twitter that I'll steal from a couple weeks ago when the Cubs were in their stretch of 
what was it? Three or four weeks of the best bullpen ERA in baseball. And the analogy was that the bullpen feels like when you were a kid and your mom would tell you to go clean your room and you take all your toys and shove them under your bed mm-hmm. and just say, Oh, it's clean. It's fine. And then it, it, it lasts maybe for a week. And then mom goes and checks under the bed and you're completely screwed. And that, that feels like the Cubs bullpen when they were getting effective innings out of the Iowa taxi squad and fucking whoever else. <laughs> so let me piggyback this. I guess I do have some actual baseball to discuss. I, um, do you think when that 24 hour period or whatever runs on Keuchel and Kimbrell that they will try and sign Kimbrell as of by June 3rd or whatever that like that weird wrinkle in the rule. I, I don't even remember what I read in the article, but like there's, there's essentially like there's no point in anyone to sign either one of those guys till like, I think June 3rd is the if, date. Yeah. Do if you, you think- don't, if you wait till after the draft, then you don't lose a draft oh, yeah, pick draft. if you sign. Exactly. That's it. So um, do you guys think that they will? I think that they won't. And I think that given the track record, it's limited, but it's real of getting a signing of teams who signed pitchers who didn't go to spring training. I think that races will be won and lost based on who signs Keuchel and Kimbrell. They'll be won by the teams that don't. Yeah, could be. So, and I'm sure Tom Ricketts is telling everyone that because he doesn't want to pay for either one of them. <laughs> Are you wearing, can you stand up? Are you wearing a Ricketts t-shirt? <laughs> yep. Um, huh, I was just curious what your guys' thoughts were. Do they sell Ricketts t-shirts? Those would be awesome. I really like um, that one. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a kid with fucked up legs. <laughs> Yeah, Speaking of kids with all you need, stuff. all you need is some limes. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> another another great segue, guys. Yeah, you're not in charge of of segues anymore. All right, that, so we have three killer segues though so far. I just want to, if we're keeping score. Killer segues, yes. Yeah. Um, so we all saw, and yet I somehow said the most offensive thing with the joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, Joan Rivers said it. You just repeated it. Yeah. Well, I made an Anne Frank analogy before. Okay. I compared David Hayes. I was trying to protect you, Dolan, but go ahead and <laughs> remind everyone. We all saw the the <clears throat> unfortunate and completely avoidable incident last night when Albert Elmore smoked a ball into the um, into the stands behind third base and it hit a little girl and she was injured. We're not exactly sure how serious, but wasn't good. Um, which prompted um, a bunch of uh, quote-unquote nanny state reactionaries to immediately take to Twitter and declare that there ought to be netting all the way down the foul lines, of which I was one of them, because I do not understand why um, baseball doesn't take a very easy and sensible way to protect the people who actually buy tickets to go to their games. Uh, And it was met, not just me, but everybody who took that stance by a bunch of people criticizing us because um, basically there were three points they tried to make over and over again, that you're not going to get hurt. I get hit with a foul ball. If you just a pay attention during the game, don't look at your phone 
if you bring your kids to the game, you sit between home plate and the kid. That way you can dive in front of them mm -hmm. and save them. And, and then that's you true. Can get a that, concussion. that really is how you should. You yeah. know, it's, it's malpractice to sit on the, on the non-home plate side of your kid. That is true. And if you just wear a glove, you'll be fine. Oh, and the fourth step <laughs> is to be a professional baseball player that can catch <laughs> a screen right. line drive with people moving around or in front of you or with something possibly in your hand, maybe a little bit inebriated, please don't get drunk with your kids at games. But like it, it, I mean, Andy, you're absolutely right to take that stance and any of the quote unquote nanny state people are absolutely right to take the stance. This is not like hang gliding and skydiving. This is not like an adrenaline rush to go to a baseball game. It's the most boring of the professional sports and I love it for that. This should not be, you should not feel in danger at a baseball game. And I, and I don't, and, and I, I think probably 20 years ago, I would have been like, we'll sit in the upper deck with your kids. You should be able to sit where the fuck you want with your kids. And like, I, and I remember when I was a little kid, my uncle took me to a game um, and we were relatively close behind the third base dugout. And I remember he was able to heckle Paul Ossenmacher so aggressively that Atamaker <laughs> like acknowledging him and it was the greatest experience and I will never forget that and then my uncle did sit between me and home plate but if there was a screaming line drive hit I don't know that my 35 year old uncle would have made a, a catch that would have saved my life and I and of course I I think I can probably speak for you guys when we say we wish speediest and most amazing of recoveries to her. Yeah. We wish all like the, the peace in the world to her family. They didn't do anything wrong. And this is a completely ridiculous. If, and, and to a lesser extent, I will pile on. It is ridiculous that the, that the MLB, and I feel like it's happening less often, but they didn't take a stance when there were all those broken bats that were almost killing players. And, yeah. and like the, these are totally avoidable things, totally avoidable things. And it's, it's embarrassing that they're going to – I don't know what they're going to say. People, do people want to take Instagram pictures holding up their cup without a net in front of it on the field? Sit fucking higher. Like that's as ridiculous to say that that's the reason to not have it as it is to say that adding it or, 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 or to, to leave it off as it is to, to say that, that people should be moving around based on the fact that these people want it. It's, it's, it's a shame that there's not – and this is not – it's not like this is the first time this has happened. This happens way too yeah. often. Well, there was a lady that died last year at Dodger yep. Stadium. She hit in the head and had a you know, hematoma or whatever it was. Yeah. Whatever it was, killed her. She died going to a freaking baseball yeah. game. And shockingly, there, someone died at a Dodgers game without the piece of shit Dodgers fans yeah. just beating the shit out Usually of Usually they just beat, they get beaten up in the parking lot. Um. It's an it's an embarrassment to the MLB, and they but they're so obsessed with things like pace of play that they that they don't pay any attention to actual issues, and and clearly they have a complete disregard and disdain for the people by not enforcing a league wide rule per, parameters and protection for those people. Well, they two years ago they they required teams to extend the netting at least to the end of the dugout. But they didn't put a. They didn't say you could only go to the end of the dugout. The teams can can extend that all the way to the foul pole if they want. Nobody did it, so there's nothing stopping teams from doing it. And honestly, if you're the Cubs, your next home game ought to happen with that net extended yep. all the way to the foul pole. There's no good reason not to do it. 
But yep. if, you, if you think about what are the most expensive, traditionally, the most expensive seats in the park? They're the ones right plate. behind home plate. Yep. And they have a freaking net in front of them. And nobody bitches about it because about 15 times a game, a foul ball flies back and nails that net. And people go, ooh, and they all look yeah, at each other like, it. oh, we'd have been screwed. You know, you yeah. see that every time. <laughs> um, people seem to be able to see through that thing. Yeah. And they seem to still want to spend a shitload of money because they're cool seats to sit at. And one of the reasons they're attractive seats to sit at is you get an awesome angle of the game and you don't have to worry about getting right. about getting beamed with a freaking foul ball. Here's another suggestion. If the net bothers you that much, there will certainly still be safe seats in that yeah. park that are not behind the fucking net. Go sit in those. You'll save yourself plenty of money. Like it, it's such an embarrassing argument. For and I saw that tr- Twitter in action with that asshole with you, Andy. Yeah. And and I'm glad that you called him out on his bullshit. That guy is an embarrassment. And like and frankly, that is the guy that is there with his drunk with his kid. That that and I'm not. Then that's definitely not what happened with his family. I just want to be super clear about saying that. But that's the type of guy that is not paying attention to the game and is more worried about his experience than he is about his kids. And someone could get hurt. And it's a totally totally avoidable it's 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 a it's oh it sorry i'm riled up but that that well, is an embarrassment to the league and to the cubs and to everyone one of wrigley's most i mean other than the ivy on the wall and the fact they still have a freaking brick wall for the outfield <clears throat> and it's amazing that they've never figured out maybe we could pad it and then grow the ivy over the pads nah. and then we wouldn't ivy have, doesn't grow well we on anything we wouldn't have yes right we wouldn't be able to kill one of our outfielders by having him slam into the wall is so you know joe thanks to joe morgan we know about this thing they had to put a basket on the outfield on the bleachers to keep drunks from falling onto the field that's the whole reason that basket exists it's not there to catch it's not there to catch cheap little home runs it's there to keep drunks who used to walk along the edge of the wall thinking they were hilarious from falling onto the field and dying so really decided well, we should put a basket up and catch those people because it's dangerous. But it's fine to sit, you know, just beyond that netting and have a hundred and fifteen mile an hour foul ball come flying into the stands. Yeah. Um, and people are like, well, we didn't need we didn't need net, you know, forty years ago. Well, you did, but those people are all what's, dead. They died. What's happened to, but what's happened to ballparks over the? Every time they build a new ballpark, they get rid of more and more foul territory. They try to put seats yep. as close to the field as possible, which means you have even less time to react. We know, thanks to StatCast, that exit velocity is going up, not down. So you, now you have even less. You're closer, and you have less time to react. And then it's funny that you brought this up, but you know, Rob Manfred is the only thing he seems to care about is pace of play. One of the things that makes it dangerous to be at a baseball game is that there's so much time when nothing happens that it's impossible to pay attention to every single pitch because you might go eight or nine pitches where the ball never leaves. It just goes from the, it goes from the pitcher to the catcher and back again, nothing actually happens. And then when you baseball knows this, they know their game is boring. So they spend the entire game putting shit on the video boards for, for you to look at instead of what's happening on the field. But you're still, you, you know, you're still supposed to pay attention to every single pitch. The Cubs make it even worse because they've got their little pantsless mascot running around. And who doesn't want to watch all the wacky annex of, of Clark while that's going on? He's going to kill some poor little kid because he's going to be trying to wave him into his white van. And the kid's going to get hit in the head with a foul ball. 
And on top of it, with all this other stuff going on, you still have to figure out, you have to keep an eye on the camera so you can flash your white power signs to them at just the proper time. It's, I'm amazed that Cub fans don't die at every home game. I also will say, you know what slows down the pace of play? Having to have the entire medical staff take a kid out on a stretcher. <laughs> right. And then all the people that are gaping at that, there's just foul balls ricocheting off them. It, well, it's do something, Cubs. Do something about this. The Cubs have had two particularly awkward commercial breaks this year. Right, right after Addison Russell's first at bat, they went to commercial. Yeah, and they have a. It's a nice little commercial, but it was not well timed. One of the Cubs season ticket commercials is set to the theme song from "Welcome Back, Cotter." So there was Addison getting booed by the home fans. They immediately cut the happy Cub fans walking to Wrigley with Welcome Back being sung over and over and over again. So then last night, the first commercial break after the girl gets hit with the foul ball. Is hit me with your best shot. with (laughs) Was this really nice MasterCard commercial, which is all about a dad Mm. taking his daughter to her first game. It's all about them go, they go shopping, they buy that, you know, they use their MasterCard and he buys her a pink Yankee hat and they buy the tickets and they go to the game and they do all this stuff. At, at no time during the commercial does the girl have to dodge 115 mile an hour foul ball come flying back at her. So, I mean, here it is. It's baseball's an awesome game and kids, you know, there are a lot of kids, despite the fact that the, the average age of every sport is aging. And the reason it's aging is because people are living longer. And that's why that average age goes up. There are a lot of kids who love baseball. One of the things that's going to turn them off is A, one of them getting hurt at an actual baseball game. Or B, their parents not letting them go because the risk right. of them getting hurt at a baseball game is pretty high. So you're actually costing your. I guarantee you there are more people who are worried about them or their kid getting hurt at a baseball game than people who are really going to stop coming if that net extends another 150 yeah. feet down the foul line. Yeah, and I guarantee that I, if that girl is brave enough to ever go to a baseball game again, she's a braver person than I am. Because like I, that would that would put me off for baseball for the rest of my life. Yeah, I don't remember anything I went to as a small child where I got hurt that I was immediately right. excited about going back. Right. And doing it again. I'm sure the Astros will give her free tickets. And you know what? I guarantee you, those tickets will be behind a fucking net. Yep. So. Yeah. Anyhow. So that's, that's a good topic. Yeah. Can we talk about the Holocaust some more? <laughs> let's no lighten it up. Lighten it up. Let's, let's talk about favorite Holocaust movies. Go. Kyle, this is a good time to not have a drop in on this. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I'll I'll sit this one out. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean we talked about it before. Obviously, Kyle was kind of echoing our sentiments too. It's a shame. It's a shame, and it's and it's it's correctable, and they should correct it. And that's about all there is to say. I think about about and it. And maybe maybe even at Wrigley, you could extend it down the left field line and around the foul pole and around the last row of the bleachers and give Al his own little cage back there. (laughs) So when I was, my age is not that important for this story, but I was like 13, (laughs) I think. Um, Yes. I went went to a Cub-Mets game and during batting practice, I caught a Tim Tuffle batting practice home run. 
and I still have the ball here somewhere. And because I actually got one, I have never since had any interest in ever catching a foul ball or another ball. Again, I've got one. And honestly, if I'd never gotten one, I'd, I was a kid. I thought that was cool. Right. Um, and so when uh, the first two years of Miller Park, I had short, I had 20 game season tickets because it's a pretty easy drive from here. And we picked the package that had the most Cub games and the Brewers were terrible. And so we didn't have to sit in our actual seats all that often. We could always just move down and get into better seats. And um, we I still remember this. We sat right behind the Brewer dugout one day and left after like two innings because balls were just getting, were just flying past us. And it's like, you know what? I, I don't really want to get hit with a freaking foul ball sure. sitting here. And so we moved up a little farther to give ourselves a little extra time to catch the ball. And then, so people, well, big deal. You know, the net goes over the dugout. But honestly, in Miller Park, and I'm sure a lot of other parks, the worst place to sit is down each line as the seats start to curve back in. Line drives just go smashing into those seats. Yeah. Just, it's amazing. And that, there's no net there. That's where, that's about where the net stops. And it's probably not too far from where this little girl was sitting. And it's, 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 sometimes it's freaking terrifying to sit down there. And it's like, you know, I'm here to watch a baseball game. I don't need to do this. So I'm just going to move. So uh, I'd be perfectly happy to tuck myself behind a fancy little net where I know it'll take like 35 seconds for my eyes to adjust. So I'm not looking at the net. I'm actually looking at what's past it. I I am not so macho to not you guys it fucking hurts to catch a pop-up without a glove that's why the players on the field are wearing gloves like it you it's you it's if we were playing soft toss with each other it would hurt to catch that baseball in your hand like i'm not ashamed to admit that like it's not we're not playing baseball when we're at these baseball games and like it's not it's it's there's so much shit that's wrong in this world and in this country right now that could be fixed so easily. And this is such a stupidly stubborn reason. Not even reason. It's so stupidly stubborn to not fix this. Like they just say, just say that all these, and I do appreciate that they did make them extend past the dugout. But again, that's arbitrary. Like, I don't think there's any major league rule of where the dugouts need to sit or how big the dugouts need to be. That's as fucking arbitrary as how big your park needs to be. So, like, it, it, they, there needs to be they either Manfred needs to come down from his fucking golden tower and go to every park, and people get to rocket line drives at him just past the net, <laughs> and until he can catch all of them, and he has to protect a sack of flour on the seat next to him or like they just need to have a blanket rule. Like you guys said all the way to the foul lines and fuck you guys. If you don't like it, they don't even have to be that high off of the foul line. So you could still sit up behind it and see over it. If that's that big of a deal, or how about this? We're pretty good at science. Now, can we make a better net? That's more easy. That's easier to see through. That is just as durable. Like I bet that there is probably a scientist that would love to get that contract to develop that and, and would spend a little fucking money on it. Yeah. I bet you can make an invisible barrier or all but invisible barrier that is completely easy to see through completely safe. And you could put, you could put around the entire fucking stadium, but that's not why they want where they want to spend their money. Well, I don't know exactly what he got his PhD in, but Dr. J used to play for the Nets. 
So I would think he could probably help with this. <laughs> and he could get that one globetrotter that was a scientist, wasn't there one? Uh, so the um, I, I learned I learned this today. the The park that has the nets extended the farthest in baseball is Fenway. So here's this, you know, historic jewel yeah. of a park. And yep. apparently it doesn't fuck up the aesthetic of being at the park. And even, you know, Tommy from Quincy isn't complaining about, I can't see the fucking field through the net. They can, it work. It, it'll disappear. You won't even know it's there. Yeah. And you can still catch a foul ball. You just won't get the screaming line drive. The ones that you actually might want to try to catch, the the nice little, the high pop-up ones. Yeah. Especially if you can let it bounce in the seat in front of you. And then right. yeah, that's even better. You're still going to get those. The whole idea that players aren't going to be able to throw foul, or are going to be able to throw balls to kids between oh, innings. They're just, so yeah, A, it doesn't fucking matter. But B, they could toss it over the net. Right. You know, it's yeah, not going to be that hard. pretty good at baseball. Um, in Japan, the they go around the whole field. They actually protect like the first yeah. part of the bleachers from balls, which seems a little extreme. Yeah, yeah, I don't know that you necessarily need that. I don't, and until someone actually gets hurt in the bleachers, and I, I, other than drunk people falling down, I don't think there's any danger of that. Oh, but, every once in a while, somebody gets smoked in the bleachers with a home run ball, but that usually that they're they're pretty. I would say ninety nine point nine percent of them are drunk. Don't feel it, yeah, yeah. Um, and also. Like I, I don't know. I, I, I would, but frankly, if that's the alternative, I would much rather err on the nanny state side and protect everyone than than just say no, we can't, we can't do this because that's ruining the game. Now here's the irony of this whole thing: the Cubs should be the first team to do this because had those nets been there in Game Six, two thousand three. Oh God! Oh Jesus Christ! Steve Bartman can't fuck with that foul ball. Of course, yeah. Moises can't catch it, but Bartman can't knock it away. So he has a much better life. Yeah. Um, can we also point out that I assume that that's the hardest ball Almora has hit all year? I was amazed he pulled one. Yeah. I think everybody was. But best wishes to that girl and that family. I hope there's a very fast, very speedy recovery, and she does not remember that this ever happened to her in a good way not that she has something happen to her that she can't remember but i hope that this is that she's young enough to be able to quickly psychologically and physically move on from this well and she obviously she's by far the most important person in this but yeah it does point out that not protecting the fans down those foul lines puts a ridiculous burden on the hitter yeah yes because they That's feel guilty about it and there's yeah. nothing they can do about it Yep. You know, and every one of the Cubs they talked to after the game, I said, yes, there should be netting. And it's because they're all worried that that could be them. They're gonna the last thing they want to do is worry about firing a ball into the stands and hurting somebody. Yeah. When all they're trying to do is, you know, work a decent at bat. And how about potentially killing someone? Like, yeah. like it's, it's, it's more than like, and, and again, she, I, I'm assuming and hoping that she is going to have a very awesome, perfect recovery. She should never have to have done that but but you're right the the emotional toll that would take like i don't understand how those guys can after getting hit with like a 95 mile an hour fastball can ever stand in the box again can you imagine smoking a a a five-year-old kid with with a ball that you hit and watching and watching them carried out with blood all over them like and you're right 100 percent not their fault but they're humans yeah and of course they're gonna feel yeah you wouldn't horrible 
it, it, it wouldn't be right to not feel guilty. Right. But you, you know there's nothing to feel guilty about, but you're going to feel guilty because you right. swung the bat and somebody got hurt. Right. You were the, it was the direct result of what you did. On that I mean, note. <laughs> yeah, I guess my last thing would be there are a lot of things in life that are unavoidable. Yes. This is completely avoidable. Yes. So fucking fix it. Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree. It's not worth it. It's not worth whatever they think that they're protecting by not protecting the fans. Anyone got any more Joan Rivers jokes? <laughs> <laughs> I did feel uh, good that I got a good. It was a. It was a good Joan Rivers. Yeah, I need to like go watch Major League to make me feel better about life now. Yep. Two callbacks. You're welcome, guys. Right at the end, two of yeah, happier was, times on this podcast. That was great. Okay, sorry to end on that note. Yeah. All right. Stay safe well, out there. Yeah, it's ridiculous that you have to. Say that to somebody going to, going a, to baseball a baseball game. game. Bring a glove to the game and take at least five hundred grounders or five hundred line drives a day, so you're prepared for to actually sit in a baseball stadium with your child. What's the over under on the next Cub home game? Smart ass fans in complete catcher's gear. Yeah, because that would be me if I owned a set of, of catcher. I would wear that to the game just to make a point. Like, yeah. look, I sort of feel safe in this. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right. Well, thanks, guys. That was good. We'll try, to, yeah. we'll try to hit a happier note next week. That's okay. It needed to be talked about. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to St. Louis this weekend. So. Hooray. They're already 3-0 and against the Cardinals this year. So keep that up. We'll all be happy. Don't, don't you dare say it's a boring city. So <laughs> we, we know how that goes. <laughs> Nothing says you're an exciting city like complaining when somebody says you're (laughs) (laughs) all right gentlemen see you guys later see ya